Welcome to the podcast, Life to the Fool, with Nancy Campbell, founder and publisher of Above Rubies. Where we learn to forgive in that home. Hello, ladies. Great to be with you again here in Tennessee. I'm looking out to the beautiful green trees with the sun shining down upon them. It's so beautiful. And Michelle Shrum is with me again. It's not far for Michelle to come because she's living right next door to us uh, in their RV while they are uh, working on building their house up on the hilltop. And here we are, still talking on this series of um, raising children uh, with the four L's, the words starting with L. And uh, when Michelle just mentioned this to me in the course of a conversation that this is how they like to raise their children, I thought, wow, that is so powerful. You've got to come and share it with me on the podcast. I thought we would do a couple of podcasts. And here we are up to number five. This is part five now um, in this series. And I don't think we'll finish it today. I've got the feeling we might need (laughs) one more. Um, But today we are continuing to talk about loving labor and teaching our children uh, to give them this love for work. Not just, okay, teach our children how to work, but we go beyond that. We're teaching our children how to love work. And uh, that's what we want to do, isn't it? Now, we are looking into the word as usual, because we could spout off here for hours. And really, what are you going to get unless we bring it from the word? I, I believe that I, this is my premise in life, that everything I believe has its foundation in the word of God. Then I know I'm on the right track. And so we are looking at all the different attitudes God wants us to have about work. And uh, I found 26 different attitudes. It's amazing how much God gives us, isn't it? And today we're up to number 18. And uh, we'll finish these today. And I hope we even get on to our last point because I think this is my most exciting one that you're going to talk about. Oh, I'm looking forward to talking about it. So, But I'm not telling you what it's going to be. (laughs) It's going to be a surprise. Anyway, number 18. And in Judges chapter 5, verse 2, it says, The people willingly offered themselves. A willingness is a big attitude, isn't it? Often our children are not always willing to do their chores. They may do them, but sometimes they do them with a sour face and a grumbling attitude. Oh, my. (laughs) How are we going to teach them to do it with a willing attitude? Well, I do believe that these scriptures... That the scriptures, as we get the word into our children, that puts it into them. Well, I think two things. Number one, the word. And that's why it's so great to 
to take your children to these scriptures. Some of them you can write out and pin up on the wall for them to read. You can make them memory verses and encourage them this way. And of course, secondly, is always, it always gets back to our attitude. What do you say about that, Michelle? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, example, that's been the key with every single one of these teaching our children the four L's is one of the first things is our example and how we live that out in our own lives. Yes. And so if we're having a sour attitude or we're not willing to labor in love, then likely they're not either. Absolutely. Yes, they have to see that we. this is how we live with this willing attitude, starting off with everything that God gives us and talks about in his word. We just have a willing response. The children should see, even when our husband asks us to do something, that we are willing. Wow, it's just our delight to do it. And talking about delight, uh, the scripture in Proverbs 31, of course, this is the description of the um, the virtuous woman, and it says in verse 13, she seeks wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. Now, that word in the Hebrew, kefetz, actually, darling, my wonderful transcriber, you are absolutely amazing at checking out all these Hebrew words I give. This one is spelled C-H-E-P-H-E-T-S. Thank you for all you do. Anyway, this word, uh, it, when we go to the Hebrew, we, we just see more of what it means. It means to work with pleasure, with delight, and with purpose. So that word delight comes in there, and it's often translated delight. In fact, 16 times in the Word of God, that Hebrew word is translated pleasure. And so somehow we've got to just pass on that anointing that to our children that work is a pleasure. Yeah. It's a pleasure to work. It is. And, you know, the question comes to mind, what if your children aren't willing? What if they don't have you know, that willingness. And, you know, sometimes it's part of training is that they still have to do it. They still have to do the labor. They still have to do the work. But if we're setting the example and we're smiling and we make a lot of like little jingles or songs up a lot of times. And so um, whether it's, you know, a scripture song or just a little song about, especially with the little ones, um, about what they're supposed to be doing, just anything to make it a little bit more um, joyful, especially when they're younger, um, can help that willing, help them develop that willing spirit. Yes. Yes, I believe that. And we should try and make it pleasurable because it's meant to be. She worketh willingly with her hands. This is talking about the woman in our home. Um, that should be our attitude. We, we're in our willingness. It's, it's, this is our pleasure. This is our delight. And so we're not seeing all the, yes, and so many duties are mundane because of the same thing you do every day. You have to do the same thing over and over again to keep the home in running order and but we don't see it as a bore. 
we, we do it with pleasure and delight because we know that this is going to bless the whole family when we keep our home um, in right order and it's and we're managing it well a home that's not being managed is not very nice to live in we have to make it a place where it's delightful to live the um bsb now what is that the berean study bible yes it translates it to work with eager hands and the young's literal translation i like to go to check that one because it goes right back to the Hebrew, and it's the same man who uh, put together the Young's Concordance. There's the Strong's Concordance, and there's the Young's Concordance. And this is the Young's literal translation, and he brings out this word delight. He said, working with delight. Yes. So, okay, let's look at some other scriptures. Well, I have... An exa example, um, just yesterday, my son Niles, who's 15, was, um, he had the computer. I'm like, what are you doing on the computer? And he showed me, and he was watching mowing videos. And he loves, before we moved here to Tennessee, They, um, him and his brother had a little lawn mowing business together, take care, lawn care. And he just developed this love of mowing, which is wonderful, except right now we don't have any grass. We just have dirt. <laughs> so he's watching lawn videos and he was like, can we go ahead and plant? We don't even have a house built yet. Can we plant grass? And I'm like, well, not yet. <laughs> but he was so excited to get back into mowing. And Colin's pretty particular about his yard, so he hasn't allowed Niles to take over the mowing yet. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he doesn't know how good he is. Well, that, I'll, I'll have to talk to him about that. Yes. And uh, all right, First Chronicles 28.9 says, Know thou the God of thy father, and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. To work willingly with our hands starts with our mind and our attitude, doesn't it? In First Chronicles 28, verse 21, it talked about every willing, skillful man. So even though these men had skills, the ones who were doing the work were those who were willing to do it. And I'm always challenged by Psalm 110, verse 3, Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. It's always the willing people um, who God wants to pick up and use. And so I believe if we, are, we have a vision for training children to be ready for God to use them, well, we have to implant within them this attitude of willingness. Oh, it's a very powerful attribute, willingness, isn't it? Lord God, I pray that um, you will help us all, help these precious mothers listening, Lord God, to um, be able to impart this wonderful attitude, Lord, this willingness. Lord, when their children are asked to do something, that they will respond with willingness. Oh, Lord, this is not something that can be we can just make happen it has to be a matter of the heart and we pray lord that you will give us such anointing and wisdom in just bringing this to our children 
in the name of Jesus. I think this one, you know, will be such a good one, as I suggested at the very beginning, that you can take each one of these points and just, okay, for whole, one whole week, okay, children, let's work on this attitude for a week. Now, mummy and daddy are going to work on it too, and we're all going to do it together so that in every little thing um, we're going to, in this particular one, willingness, we're all going to do it with a willing attitude, everything. That would be so exciting. Wow, what, what a dream place to live in. Yes, and Isaiah 1 verse 19 says, If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. All right, number 19, with a good attitude. Ephesians 6 verse 7 says, Rendering service readily with good will. Once again, back to attitude. And so we're teaching our children to have a happy attitude and a smile on their face. And what I used to do, um, if my children didn't do something with a happy attitude, guess what happened? They got another job to do. And if they didn't do that with a happy attitude, they got another one till they learned to do it with a happy attitude and a smile on their face. And um, I'm glad, I, I think, most of our children, well, I'd say all of them, and some more than others, um, have grown up with a very, very good work attitude. And um, that is so important in life, isn't it? Number 20, without being sidetracked. Oh, that's another one, isn't it? Have you often given your children something to do or your one specific child something to do? And But you find, oh, I mean, before they finish the job, they're sitting in their room reading a book or something like that. So <laughs> on my way over, literally walking over here today, um, I gave my son Elijah, my 10-year-old, um, a small task and he had no problem. He had a happy heart about it, um, but he got sidetracked and he was outside melting a crown, uh, like a coloring crayon. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, watch this mom. This is so cool. I'm like, but is that what you're supposed to be doing? <laughs> yes, I know. And children get sidetracked so easily, don't they? You know, any little thing can just sidetrack them. Uh, but this is a very powerful point too, you know, especially, you know, as our children are, getting older we've got to teach them you know stick to the job until it's done uh, just don't let all the little distractions um, take you away from it and we see a wonderful example of this and this is an example for us too in our wonderful calling of motherhood um, back in Nehemiah Nehemiah chapter 6 Nehemiah came back from Babylon to to help restore and build up the gates and walls of Jerusalem. But he had uh, so much opposition on every front. There was opposition to him rebuilding the wall. And we get opposition too, as we are building a godly family. The enemy does not want us to do this. And uh, so he will bring opposition on every hand. And in chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Now it came to pass when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arabian and the rest of our 
enemies heard that I had builded the wall and that there was no breach left, um, that Sanballat and Geshem sent unto me, saying, Come, meet together, let us meet together in one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me mischief. You see, they were trying to bring Nehemiah off the wall. They were trying to get him distracted from this great vision that he had and this great job that he, that he was doing. And so they were trying to pull him off the wall, get him down from his job. And, and that's what the enemy wants to do to you, dear mother. He, he wants, he, there's so much deception all around and voices that pull you away from the vision God has given you and, and even pull you away from the high calling of embracing motherhood and, and knowing that uh, you are there to build your home and make it just such a wonderful place. And, and the devil, he wants to get you out of the home and you get all these people saying this, saying that, society, the media, um, everything, everybody, even churches sometimes. But what did Nehemiah do? Oh, by the way, where were they trying to get him to come? They say, come, Nehemiah, let's come down to the plain of Ono. Oh, no. Oh, my. Isn't that how the devil gets to tempt us? Oh, no. Poor me. I'm stuck in this home with all these children, and I could be out doing my career. Oh, no. Oh, no. Help. I'm pregnant again. Help. How are we going to survive? We can hardly make it with the children we have. Oh, no. And we get all these oh, no's. But they're from the devil. They are the temptations of the enemy. He's the one who wants to bring us down to the plane of oh, no. But that doesn't belong to the kingdom of God. That, that city, it's not in God's kingdom. Oh, no. Whatever God gives us, he gives us the strength to do. And he will be with us. Amen. And so what did Nehemiah say? say? He was not going to come down to the plain of Ono. He says, he didn't even get down off the wall. I just sent message to, messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease? while I leave it and come down to you, he wouldn't even come down. Dear precious mothers, just let all these temptations, these deceptions, all these voices, just let them run off you like water off a duck's back. And you just speak to the enemy and say, I am not coming down. I am doing a great work. I'm doing the greatest work in this nation. I am raising godly children who will come forth to impact this nation. I haven't got time to come down to you. But these enemies, they kept on at Nehemiah. They came four times to him with that message. And then in verse 5, it says they came a fifth time to him. 
and uh, they just wouldn't give up. And then down in verse 10, um, they sent another message the sixth time. And this time, um, what happened? Yes, it says here, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple and let us shut the doors of the temple for they will come to slay thee. Yea, in the night will they come to slay thee. Now they're trying to put fear in his heart. Oh, come on, come down. Look, we'll hide you. We'll go right into the temple. Oh, goodness me. They were trying every way to get him coming down from his great work. And so what happens? Nehemiah said, should such a man as I flee? And who is there that being uh, as I am would go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. Do you see how he was standing true to his vision? He would not come down. Verse 12, and lo, I perceive that God had not sent them. Yes, all these voices, these deceptors, voices that come into your mind, they are not from God. They are from the enemy. But I perceive that he pronounced this prophecy against me for Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. But he never came down. He didn't give in. And so that's a wonderful encouragement to us in our great high calling God has given us. Don't you be distracted. Don't listen to them. And uh, also you teach that to your children. Number 21. Without expecting anything in return. Well, that's an interesting mm. one, isn't it? I remember when we were raising our children that, you know, people would always um, pay their children. They'd give them, I forget what you called it, something. Allowance. allowance, yes, yes. They got an allowance at the end of the week. I, I, I must admit, I never really believed in it. But I thought, oh, perhaps I'm an awful mother. I better do <laughs> that. So we decided, right, we would do it. But it never worked. You know why? Because we'd get to the end of the week and we never had any money to give them. <laughs> so they never got it. So, but really, really, should our children work for an allowance? I don't believe it. We've always told our children that because, you know, they see some other children get an allowance and they've, you know, they've asked before. Um, and we always told them, like, why would we pay you to live in our home and clean up after yourself and, you know, just do responsibilities that we all need to be a part of? Yes. I mean... I don't know where that came from, because really, a home is where we are all building the home together. We as mothers are builders. Proverbs 14, verse 1, every wise woman buildeth her house. The God, God calls us builders, but our children are builders too. Uh, the word, the Hebrew word for children um, in the Bible, well, there's, there's so many Hebrew words for children. Oh, in my, in my book, The Power of Motherhood, I list all the different Hebrew words. God so loves children that he doesn't have only one word. 
He has a word for when they're in the womb, when they're just born, when they're a little toddler, as they're getting older. Oh, there's so many words. You just can't believe it. But the most common is Ben. And just Ben. Like many Jewish names have that word in them, Ben Yochanan, you know, the son of Yochanan, so on. So it just means the son of so-and-so. But the full meaning is, and you can read it in the Strong's Concordance, the builder of the family name. Our children are also building the family name and building the home. And we need to remind them of that, that they are also builders. We are all in this together. And when they do their chores, that's just part of just blessing everyone in the home, just keeping the home going. We had a good friend, and this stuck with me when my um, older ones were younger, she would always call them get-tos. She didn't call them chores. They were get-tos because you yeah. get to participate in the family. You get to yeah. um, willingly, you know, yeah. whatever the task was that laid before them. And I just love that, that yeah. it was, a, they get to. And what an, yeah. what an attitude shift. Yes, I love that. Yes. And I think, you know, allowances, um, what are they really teaching our children um, they're, they're teaching them, you know, that uh, what's the word where we today everybody kind of thinks they think they should just get whatever they want. What is that word? It's entitlement. Yes. And, and today so many people in society live by the entitlement principle. They think that they are entitled to everything. The world owes them everything. And that is not true. I mean, we have many of our students today in our colleges believing that they should get their college education free, but they're not working for it. Who's going to pay for it? Someone has to pay for it. Um, but they just think they should get everything free. And, uh, and, and that's, you know, what our government wants to tell them. You know, you just get everything free. But of course, that never works because it has to be paid for somewhere. And um, so we don't want to bring our children up with an entitlement mentality, do we? Now, what does the scripture say? Luke 17, verse 10. When you have done all that is commanded you, say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. Well, that's pretty powerful, isn't oh, it? Yes. <laughs> That's the attitude we should have. We've only done what is our duty. We, we don't have to expect anything in return. In fact, today it's very difficult, I find, to get people to do something without expecting remuner remuneration. Mm -hmm. I mean, yes, of course, um, that is, it's not wrong to have remuneration for what you do. That's not wrong. And, and of course, our husbands who are providing for the home, yes, they are getting all the remuneration they can to provide. But I think we don't have to do everything in life for remuneration. There are things we will do, um, you know, and get paid for. But... Um, there were some things with the gifts that God has given us, we can do them freely 
and just do them to bless people or even because it's our duty and not expect to have to be paid. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. That's the servant's heart. Yes. You know, we just had this discussion in our home, um, I believe it was yesterday with my 10-year-old, just not having to have that recognition. It's nice to be recognized sometimes and be able to be encouraged, but um, to not have to have it. Um, speaks a lot about your character and who you are. Um, if we're doing, like we spoke about so much, doing everything unto the Lord, then he's the one that will recognize us. We shouldn't re- seek recognition from man. Yes, great. Number 22, without grumbling or complaining, Philippians 2, 14, 15, do all things without murmuring and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. So, without grumbling, without complaining, to our children hear us grumbling and complaining, what kind of example are we setting? We're the ones who set the tone. Number 23. Just what you said, Michelle, without seeking recognition. There it is. It's in the word. You didn't make it up. (laughs) (laughs) Ephesians chapter 6, verse 6. Not with eye service as men pleases, but as the servants of Christ. We do our work not looking for what man sees, but unto the Lord. And he sees. He knows. He notices it all. Number 24, without wearying. Galatians 6, 9 and 10, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Number 25, zealously. And uh, we read of, of the testimony of Jesus himself when it says, the zeal of my thine house hath eaten me up. And uh, it's in Psalm 69, verse 9. And then in this story in John chapter 2. And uh, let's just go to it here. Yes, what verse is it? 17, yes. And this is where Jesus came into the temple and saw them selling all the oxen and sheep and doves and and just making money and doing all this in the temple, which was the house of prayer. And my, he rose up and, and the Bible says that he made a scourge of cords and he drove them out of the temple and he poured out the, the changes money and he overthrew the tables and and he yelled out take these things hence make not my father's house a house of merchandise and wow i mean people must have wondered what was happening and then it says and his disciples remembered that it was written the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up and uh, so Jesus showed such zeal, zealousness for his father's house. But I think we can also show zealousness in the way we work and that we do it with all our hearts. And the last one, 
um, number 26, going the second mile. Matthew 5, 41 says, And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him two miles. That's an amazing principle. Um, I think that most people, even when they go to work, they usually have to clock in, you know, when you arrive, when you leave. And, and uh, it just seems the norm for most people. Okay, say five o'clock is when work finishes. Okay, on the dot of five, they finish. Ooh, it doesn't matter if they're halfway through something. If that's five o'clock, they finish. But where's the second mile? There's only a, f a small percentage who are the second milers who will think, oh, but look, I haven't finished this. I think I'll just stay and get it finished so it's all done and ready. Maybe they're staying on five minutes, ten minutes, or even twenty minutes longer. They're not even expecting to get double pay. But just because it, they just want to see the job finished or they just want to give that little extra second milers wow they are a small breed but it's a one I remember um there is a guy who works for my son and he is indispensable to him and uh, I know that he gets pretty big bucks because I don't know how my son would run his life without him. But this guy years and years ago came to him and asked him for a job. He didn't have a job for him. Uh, there was not one that he was available. Um, but he said, look, I'll work for you free. And he just worked for him free. He became so indispensable that now, well, he... he couldn't do without him mm -hmm. and he has a great career just because he was a second miler he wasn't ex being expected to be paid for everything he was prepared to just okay I'll just show you what I can do you know and um, so I think that's that's sort of going the extra it, it's like that word that I often talk about perissuo uh, that is more than is necessary, over the top, super abounding, excelling. It's just that going more than is the necessary. And, you know, people can be great workers who do the necessary. But then there's those few who go beyond the necessary, the second milers. Absolutely. And that's what sets people apart is if you're willing to go above yes. and beyond that's what sets you apart in in the yes. workforce even in the home yes. as a leader yes. um you know so it just in every area of life those people that go that second mile yes. who go, go above and beyond um they're the ones that stand out yes so true maybe when you're working on this point in your family, maybe you're doing a, a whole week and, and you're all working on the second mile principle. And, uh, you know, you can have, it doesn't hurt. It's, it's a good thing, I think, to have, uh, you know, carrots. In other words, mm -hmm. something that they can work towards. And, and you hope, say, okay, I'm going to be looking this week for those who go the second mile. And when you notice one of your children doing more than they are asked. 
They're doing something that goes beyond. Well, you just make a note of that. And, and maybe the one who's done that the most, they get a special prize at the end of the week. So they can get into the habit. It's good to have a whole week, at least, where you work on one of these attitudes so it becomes a habit in their life. And it gets into their system um, because... Wow, they'll go a long way. If you can raise children who are second milers, you will raise children who will go far in life. Well, ladies, uh, we got to the end of our principles about work. And so now, next week, we're going to start the last L. To me, it's the most exciting. Should we tell them what it is? No. No, nope, we're not telling you what it is. It's got to be a surprise. And I can't wait because I do believe in this hour in which we're living, it is so important. Well, we love you. Lord God, bless all these darling mothers who are listening today and all the young people and the children. Oh God, I pray that you will help us all to live by your word, by the examples you put in your word, by the principles you give us in your word. Lord, you, you just give us so much, and, and there's not one thing missing. Lord, we've got all these, these attitudes you want us to have. And Lord, when, when we are all daddy, mummy, children, just living these attitudes in our homes, they will become places of such joy in heaven on earth. Lord, I pray that, uh, Lord, that this will work out in every beautiful family listening, that, Lord, uh, they will just be able to teach their children, Lord, not how to work, but how to love to work, Lord God. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. amen.